Uh, welcome, Sacramento, to Coffee and Poets. Uh, we are here at uh, the Naked Coffee Lounge uh, on uh, 11th and H um, right here in Midtown. Uh, Coffee and Poets is produced by Ensa'a. And we're also streaming on Facebook Live right now. And that's super exciting. Uh, we're sitting here with a good friend of mine, uh, Mafa the Poet. Why don't you uh, kick us off a little piece and uh, introduce yourself to the world? Cool. I remember what I was. A smoldering boulder, golden and smoking, set ablaze in amazement, unashamed. I embraced the pain in being a fire. Admired for being awake and alive, ignited inside like a lighter outside, making some inspired and others perspire. I'd met the Messiah, the sun from which all fires are founded, and he sparked something in me. He said, it's written on ancient tablets that with a touch I kindle fires. I take those affected by Adam's apple and give them windows of opportunity. To those who I owe estuaries of turmoil, I save from deletion, edit their views, insert a format to align them right and give them a tool to fire in this cold war. It's a cold world. One that's dark, without form and void of pyro, a place built on cornerstones for fire, but only ever uses decorations for Bibles. I was there burning a bright amber of ambiance. An ambitious ambassador about to ambush the ambivalent, I became a California wildfire. I burned with a passion and took no sabbaticals. My life with God became so mathematical. I was so radical and irrational, people didn't feel I was real. I had to let everyone know that I was masterful, whether fanciful and theatrical or ecclesiastical. It didn't matter how impractical as long as it was magical, whether gospel or Christian rap or contemporary neoclassical, as long as it was church related, I couldn't be emancipated. No, I couldn't be a part. I had to be a part. I had to be a piece. So I became the prince of peace. I said peace to his peace and a piece of me deceased. I didn't know that this was burnout and my flame started to decrease. So I became a forest fire. I'd spring up in the enemy's camp and may march through fiercely, clearing his skies, but I'm doing it severely. My flare is ferocious, tearing up his lotus and roses, consuming his bushes like I contrast Moses. Smokey gonna be mad because I couldn't prevent a cirrhosis. When I get done, he's gonna need a diagnosis. Yeah, he'll need a prognosis to treat this illness. When I get done, I'll destroy his wilderness. But I digress. I'd say yes, even while I'm in the test, I put myself in a mess to bless others in distress. It's for the best. I guessed. I even impressed the impresses leaving out the king, but I got some successes. So I left it at that and kept adding more responsibility, even though this church facility was bringing more and more hostility. It brought me possibilities to bless everyone around me. As I was being lifted, my fire felt less grounded. The more candles I lit, the smaller my blaze burned. I learned less about the Lord and my contentment began to churn. I became an electrical fire. The more I got plugged in, the shorter my cord got and I felt I was being drug in. And even though my temperature was reaching new thermals, I was never straight. So I only inferred nose. My internal became a volcano. I became nocturnal and my body was in turmoil. I started acting like a turtle, though I thought I was in turbo. My emotions became a furnace. I wanted to drink Merlot. I started reaching new lows to fulfill my yearning girls flashing their combustion and I'm having fun burning now I'm indecent no more incandescence all the people I inspired to stop teaching them lessons bro you talking too fast you just really need to slow up bro you're immature you just really need to grow up man this dude late man he better show up everybody's making me mad I'm finna blow up I was working for God but I didn't remember the splendor all this burnout had rendered me an ember all this energy I lended but no love to engender God had to take me and return me to cinder for a while. I was focused on the stardom, 
but he showed me that the sun was extinguished for our sin. So we must fan the flame in our fireplaces, for we were fire baptized only by his graces, not by our works. So embrace the Father. He won't put you out, but it'll only make you hotter. He'll handle your flame as long as you surrender. But if not, you'll be like me, a dying ember. Wow. Right? Thank you. Yeah, that was that was really incredible. Um, Mafa, tell us where your name came from. And I, I do want to get into that piece a little bit, yeah. but let's let's start there. Cool. Uh, so Mafa, it's it's um, <laughs> so I was I was flirting with a whole lot of stage names. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew I didn't want to go by like my government name, um, Denzel Peters. And, um, so I'd fl- I flirted with some over the years and I, I figured I needed something new, something fresh. Um, and so I started looking online and I found a word. Um, it's actually a Swahili, a Swahili word. Um, and it means great disaster. I, I picked that because I realized that like art, it's not clean, it's, it's disastrous. It can bring damage. And on top of that, I felt like at that point in my life that I was a great disaster, but great being the key word in that. And with God, like I can, I can be more great than disastrous. And with my art, even though it's bringing destruction, it brings about reconstruction as well. So that's what Mafa means. Yeah, that's that's an interesting concept. This this reconstruction and this deconstruction through the art. I am fascinated by lyricists, by poets, wordplay, uh, just recognizing some of the techniques. Obviously, there's a little bit of a hip hop influence yeah. there <laughs> uh, with the rhymes, and yeah. uh, I think that's super tight. Uh, but you also you also have some like double entendres, yeah. you know, yeah. throughout and, and some techniques that I recognize from like the battle rap world <laughs> where, you, where you like even break down words yeah. um, that completely like flips and changes their meaning. Yeah. Um, how did you like develop that style? Where did that come from? Man, you know, I, I don't even know how long ago it was that I started doing poetry, but when I first started, I was, I sucked. Um, and <laughs> we all do, don't feel bad. <laughs> and, and I was watching, uh, what's that show called? It's a spoken word competition, teams from different cities. Um, oh, Brave New Voices? Yes, Brave yeah. New Voices. And that's, that's what started me doing poetry. Um, I had a mentor who uh, introduced me to it and he was like, I think you'd be great doing this. And I was like, I've, I've never done this before in my life. And um, he gave me a book and a pen and I started from there and I, um, I just started, of course, looking at different styles. I mean, I was already a lover of hip hop, but just like listening to the poetry, listening to spoken word, listening to raps. I, I watch battle raps all the time. Um, and so the entendres came, the alliterations came, the consonants came. And like, I just started to develop those things. And now they've become some of my favorite things to lean on in my poetry. And so a lot of my poems tend to have those things. Yeah. So. So I, I, I'm a student, right? Mm-hmm. A student first. I, I, I love to like study and break that stuff down. Yeah. But above all of the techniques, because there's so many people who, you know, are, are great technically, but they're not saying a thing. Yeah. So I, I do want to dive into your content too. Yeah. You know, in it, uh, you know, it seems like you're you're speaking from experience when you're talking about your faith, uh, when you're talking about you know being at your lowest of lows. Yeah. You know, how much does your experience uh, show up in your poetry or, or are you um, writing poems around certain themes or 
from other perspectives. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, uh, of course, my faith is a big part of me and uh, that's a part of my art. But um, I also tend to write a, a lot of different things. Um, it, it tends to be what I have a passion for. So one of the things I have a passion for is my faith, but I also have a passion for kids. I also have a passion for uh, diversity, inclusivity, you know, social movements. And so um, I write about a lot about those things, too. And um, those themes also tend to be intertwined with each other. So I, I, I love that. I love to be able to to use my art um, to to just speak to different things. And um, of course, I speak from experience. I, I I use my stories. I have a I have a piece I'm probably going to spit today. That's a story about me. But I also just I write about anything, things I see on TV, things I things I read, um, things like that. So nice. Yeah. Nice. Why spoken word? I feel like. Uh, creatives have all kinds of mediums to mm-hmm. express themselves. It, it might be, you know, like visual art. It might be music. It might be dance. Mm-hmm. Um, but for you, it's it's spoken word. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, do you have other talents, or is this like, you know, the the one thing that you gravitate towards the most? I'm curious is to those. those yeah, uh, spoken word is is really interesting. It has it has a unique way of being able to speak to to topics to things that I want to say this was not my art of choice like I said my mentor kind of forced it on me but I'm glad that he did yeah shout out to you if you're watching um <laughs> you, can, you can say their name you can say their name <laughs> shout out to you uh Jamal Ray but yeah yeah you know I before before this I drew I acted you know I wrote stage plays I did a lot of stuff like that and I love telling stories through through you know like drawing I love telling stories through stage plays and things like that but those things can often like be very hard, very time consuming, ex- especially plays and things like that. And so the way I chose to be able to speak about the things I, I wanted to speak on was was poetry and I develop it. I love it now. It's my main art now, but it, it wasn't my first choice. <laughs> that's that's interesting. I, I don't think I ever realized that we had that in common. Yeah. I was Charlie in the Chocolate Factory in the fourth grade. <laughs> Do you have a video of that? Can I no. see that? <laughs> but I was also on the yearbook committee. So that picture might have ended up in that yearbook that I keep uh, stashed away. I'm going to go you know, Google searching tonight. <laughs> <laughs> but... Are, you know, do you have favorite plays or do you have a favorite production that you've participated in? And are you are you like the leading man in your productions or are you like, you know, how, how involved in, in theater have you been? So <laughs> I was kind of forced to go to church when I was younger. And so mm-hmm. when I was a teenager, I was in a lot of church you know, plays or whatever. And I got the lead roles in those. And so that led me to like, want to do theater as my life. I wanted to act at first. And so in high school, I started, you know, joining theater club and, you know, drama club and, and, and all that stuff. And, um, and I found myself being in a few plays in high school, of course, but the most prominent one is Annie. Yeah. And yeah. And I've, I've been in Annie twice and I've played the same few characters. Uh, but the, probably the most funny one is, is Sandy. The dog. I played Sandy twice, once in middle school, once in high school. Wow. <laughs> and it's very interesting, especially the middle school one, because I had a solo as Sandy. So imagine just a dog singing. Um, yes. It's humiliating, but it was fun. <laughs> <laughs> I no, I I understand, you know, some of those really embarrassing moments. Yeah. 
And in high school, we had an opportunity to write our own like screenplay for a theater class. And, you know, we, we put it together and I like somehow ended up like under a dining room table making all of these crazy like innuendos <laughs> with a senior and I was like a freshman <laughs> and it was like I could not get through it yeah but she was a great actress yeah um and like worked with me despite yeah. me failing to yeah. deliver on this scene but yeah it was, it was a wild and crazy time and I feel like a lot of those skills that I learned mm-hmm. during my like freshman and sophomore year of high school then translated into the yeah. spoken word and into the poetry scene mm-hmm. like just things like learning how to project yep you know how to clearly enunciate mm-hmm. so that people can understand you from across the room yeah and, and things like that you know are there are there did you pick up some of the literary skills from the theatrical uh productions that you were a part of um or do you have like favorite books or authors that you turn to um or are you inspired through you know, uh, videos that you watch mm-hmm. on, on YouTube and things like that. Um, absolutely. I learned a lot from theater. Um, of course, like you said, stage projection, stage presence, you know, things like that. But then also the, the stage taught me memorization. Mm-hmm. Memorizing scripts was a, it was the hardest thing for me. Um, in college, I was a theater major for, for a year and um, just memorizing those scripts was hard. And so that then translated into like me having to memorize these poems. And now I can memorize 12 minute poems, but it's all because of theater. But I also get inspiration from, I mean, great poets. Uh, Let me see. Uh, Jackie Hill Perry is my absolute favorite spoken word. It's her stage presence, her message, everything just Mm -hmm. about her poetry is is great. And and there's a few others I can name off. Who's I telling you about the other night? Anybody from Strivers Row, any of any of those guys. I mean, just amazing poets. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. It's interesting. I, I just had this thought. You were in a theater program. Mm-hmm. I was in a theater program. <laughs> but I know that there aren't that many California schools yeah. uh, that have opportunities for students to engage in the arts. Really? Yeah. Hmm. It's just like Didn't know that. part of how it is. Yeah. But also like the East Coast spends way more yeah on funding yeah and that like might actually be a fact that people may not know about you mm-hmm. yet yeah. is that you're not from yeah. sacramento california yeah you can tell folks like where you're from and what what brought you out here yeah um shout out to georgia man i hope they're watching tonight um yeah. but shout out to georgia i'm i'm a georgia boy born in philadelphia pennsylvania uh moved to georgia when i was three lived there for the rest of my life until i got here you're, you're from philly and you like battle rap it's no surprise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah sorry. like but yeah like it's um it's just in me it's in my blood but but yeah i'm a, I'm a georgia boy for the most part yeah the the east coast i went to georgia southern university graduated from there in may of 2016 but yeah a theater education like those are my passions those are my loves nice yeah nice. So what brought you to Sacramento? Well, because <laughs> we also share this. In yeah, <laughs> so I figured that we should just, you know, clear the air. Red and yellow. Um, shout out to <laughs> shout out to City Year and all the ACMs out there. Yeah. Um, so this program called City Year, an AmeriCorps program. Like I said, I, I graduated with an education degree. I'm going into teaching next year. But just because as this buffer to kind of get out of Georgia, get to California, I'm doing City Year and it's. It's a great program, you know, where I just get to influence kids every day. So, yeah. and and you're at a high school, right? So you're working with high school youth. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, with ninth graders, man. Yeah. yeah. 
we'll we'll have an opportunity to talk about uh, some of the programs here in Sacramento, particularly uh, says you know Sacramento yeah. area speaks and opportunities yeah. for young people to engage. Mm -hmm. um, but I was wondering if you could give us another piece. Sure. Yeah. Sure. All right. Uh, this piece is called Surely. I never would have believed you if you had told me that one day you could flip through the pages of the autobiography of God, searching the scriptures for assurance and solace, seeking sanity and stability from a sovereign savior. And in that, you found a quote from me. It's mind blowing that blowing through God's mind and his story of his social studies on this globe included a soldier that wasn't even on his side of the world war that for the rest of time, I'd be known for my role and not my name. But what's crazier than me being in this text is the type that he chose for his bestseller. I mean, we believed in Hercules. So it wasn't so much how God could be man, but how God could be this man. I mean, if the guy we booked is the word made flesh, he must be a booklet because he was so small. He wasn't God-like. The publication of this death is gruesome. I had to squint and every look was periodical. I turned to another soldier because this account had to be fiction. I asked him, is what we're doing okay? And he said, bro, sure. And he gave me a scroll and I scrolled through that text to find where he said he was the E-manual. I knew something wasn't right. He seemed pretty novel because he crumpled so easy with his paper back. He might have been a loose leaf, but you couldn't say he was spineless. So I guess you can't judge a book by his cover, his volume was silent as everyone else had their caps locked in their insults we stripped him of every article of clothing and our only addition was a crown and a cane to copycat his kingship we bowed as we mocked the monarch whose mangled manly image would be made most marvelous in mere moments he would be made a gorgeous god but we gawked and the gathering gasped as we gaped gashes and we mashed him we were to beat him with passion till he passes with sanctions we are assassins just bash him till he gives up the phantom is what they asked us make it slow as molasses with blood splashes and shackles even though those nails were killing, he pressed on, acrylic. He weaved us his hairs as we beat him out of existence. No fake lashes, even his eyelids were bleeding. And, and as he died, you could see his hair was red as he's sleeping. But as I saw his diligence, I started to think this wasn't made up. The other soldiers would laugh and joke as he got sprayed up. He was sun beat, the sun screened as the skin burned. His flesh was peeling, red and marked as the soul returned. We didn't realize that every prophecy was affirmed. With every whip and with every bruise, I sent his purge. I don't want to kill him. Put him in a penitentiary. I should be celebrating. I'm centurion of the century. But with all these doubts, I had had to nail him to a crucifix. My face is white as bricks as everyone called him a lunatic. He took this like he was used to this. Accused but God enthused by this. Amused by this. His human self was super sick and yet I was excused of this. Approved by this. That though I sin I win and I am proof of this. And that word made flesh is good for my reproof in this. Before this I wasn't used to this. These Roman gods are foolish pitch. I'd rather submit to a God who died so I'd make fewer slips a uh, fewer tripped as the gravel upon the ground started quaking. The sun that was forsaken was sadly mistaken as faking. Graves started open and saw a zombie invasion and the undertaking awakened with every shaken vibration. I took off my helmet to show that I recognized I couldn't reject it or continue with telling the second lie. This man was a man, but was God and was penalized for being the bridge so God and we could be unified. A God that's crucified chose suicide over you and I. I viewed the sky and chose to abide in this do or die. I knew a God who made me a newer God was infused and proud that there's a newer I renewed and I say adieu to the fool inside. My foolish eyes that tricked me the entire time thinking that theology teeters on thinkers' minds. There can't be two truths. It's time that we realign nothing intertwined or 
redefine because this man is divine. They told me to take a spear and puncture him in the side to prove people slayed omnipotent power before the eyes. Pontius Pilate's partner predicted the fire they would find if they didn't free the followers who'd fallen for others' crimes. The tarp in the temple was torn in two. The light from the sun was gone. Surely this man is the son of God and surely we all were wrong. Surely. Wow. Snaps. I'm just, I'm just snapping. Can you can you can you talk about that piece? Absolutely. Because you're you're speaking about the piece. You're speaking that piece from the perspective of a centurion. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the like Roman mm -hmm. guards that mm -hmm. were assigned. Right. Yeah. Uh, to people who are being crucified. So can can you talk a little bit more about like where that piece comes from and yeah and yeah yeah um so i <laughs> it, it's hard doing pieces that are like pulled straight from the bible because especially with this one because it wasn't intended to be um a religious piece in the sense of like i'm trying to convert people i'm trying to bring people you know mm -hmm. i was just trying to tell the story i found the story very interesting in the gospels there is a particular centurion soldier who through the crucifixion um, realized that Jesus was telling the truth. Everything that he said was true. And so he goes through this transformation and realizes that, hey, this is the son of God. And so I tried to jump into his mind and write this piece based on like, okay, you know, I've believed this one belief system my entire life. I've believed in these Roman gods and, you know, um, all these things. And now my mind is changing throughout this piece. You're seeing my mind um, change. You're, you're seeing like, oh, at the beginning, he's making fun of like, this can't be God. Look at him. He's puny. Hercules is half God and half man. And he looks totally different than Jesus does. But then towards the end, you see him confessing that, that Jesus is God. And so I just tried to write from that perspective you know, hoping the audiences would just find the, the, the idea of that story very interesting. Yeah. It, it's, it's real, it's a really unique perspective. And I feel like there, there's a lot in the Bible where if you view it differently, it shifts your entire worldview. Yeah. My grandmother was a minister mm -hmm. and I was, I was raised, you know, Catholic. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that you know, she tried to like instill in us growing up was the word is like really important, mm -hmm. but not just the word, but like how people act yeah. and how they behave. Like, yeah. does that match yeah. uh, the word and the intention behind it? Yeah. And when I think about, and we're going to get like political and, yeah. and current events, yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> when, when I see religion misused today, mm -hmm. doesn't matter which religion. Right. Um, but when I, when I see it misused, I always think, you know, there, there are reasons, right. For, for, um, or justifications that people are using and they're pulling it mm -hmm. from the Bible yeah. or they're pulling it from the Quran or they're yeah. pulling it from, you know, mm -hmm. these, these religious texts. Yeah to justify some pretty like horrible things yeah just curious about like your your thoughts on that yeah. um and like you know how how make you how does that make you feel have you have you seen people or, or come across yeah. uh, religious extremists as you shared your poetry yeah this is a topic i love to talk on so i'm going to try not to ramble but yeah. um i think i think that i walk a, a very like a very middle ground line when it comes to life, I mean, I'm a male, 
So there's there's certain privileges that come with that, but I'm also black, and so there's certain things that come with being black too. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> you yep. know, and we won't go into those, but you know, um, and I think it's the same thing with with being a Christian, but like having the political views that I have. Oftentimes, it's looked at as like liberals are completely secular, and that uh, that that conservatives are you know completely uh, Christian. You know, they're they're all Christian, and there's. <laughs> so many things that I disagree with, with like conservative agendas and uh, policy today. But I think it's, I think it's, I think it's my position, especially um, as a Christian to speak out against some of the things that happen because of Christian extremists. And I think there's Christian extremists in the federal government today, you know, and, you know, that might be crazy to say, but like, I, I just think that, that Christianity as a religion and, and, and other religions too, but like Christianity as a religion is, is focused on love. It's focusing on, it's focused on restoration. Um, it's focused on healing and, and salvation and it, to, to try to use love and to try to use peace and, and all of those things and to try to use it to hurt people, to bring about hatred, to, to, and, and use it as an excuse, um, I think is absurd to me. Um, I think it's not in the character of Jesus. I think it's not in the character of God. Um, and you know, you can twist a passage to make it mean what you want to say, even if it's not true. Um, and so that's why it's, it's my goal as a Christian to make sure I look at texts deeply. I look at their historical significance, um, what they mean to make sure that like, I'm watching my life and, and my doctrine to make sure that I'm not hurting people. I, I, my job as a Christian is to heal, is to love people. And if you don't use, if you don't use Christianity for that, then there's deeper issues there. Yeah. And it's really interesting, right? Cause I feel like, and there, there, there are a couple of like specifics that I, I do want to get into, but when we talk about conservatives and then their use of religion. Mm-hmm. I think it it gets to be really interesting. And this isn't all conservatives. Right, right, right. Right? Like I don't yeah. I don't want to yeah, like make this like super yeah. blanket statement. Yeah. But this particular group that I'm I'm talking about mm-hmm. um are those folks who, you know, would be considered yeah. you know the extremes. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And I know that there's tons of great people who are like fall somewhere in the middle, but right. it just it gets really interesting. When you see the things that folks value, whether it's like virginity or innocence Mm -hmm. or this idea of oneness or sameness. Mm -hmm. Also the patriarchy, right? Mm -hmm. People Mm -hmm. like to assign God a gender, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but how do you, I don't, I don't know how that's possible. Yeah. I know like might help us make better sense of, you know, just the concept and how um, expansive that, that can be. Yeah. Um, but it's a popular thing yeah. in hip hop, yeah. right? Um, you'll hear Common, you'll hear a couple other folks like, what if God was a her, or mm-hmm. they'll refer to God yeah. as a she. What, what, are you, what are your thoughts on that? When, when people try to like reverse the roles yeah. when, when they're talking about God mm-hmm. and feminism, yeah. um, or you know, God in, in this patriarchal society. Yeah, I, I think when we look at especially Old Testament text, you you get a patriarchal society. Um, that's how government was set up. And so you get biblical writers who write God as a he. Does God have the anatomical parts of a man? No. Does God, is God attracted to, you know, a certain gender or is God a certain gender? No, I wouldn't say that. 
And I think, like you said, we use these pronouns to to try to make sense of God, um, especially at that time. But like there there just isn't a way to describe God. So I, w- I wouldn't say that God is a is a he or him or her or she. Um, and you know what? Artists are expressive and they express the way the way that they do. So, I mean, like, honestly, like God is love. God is peace. There there are scriptures in 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 the text that like refer to God as in like parables and things like that as like a he or a, or a man. And then there's some that like there are stereotypically like a female things about God, um, the way in which he loves, the way in which he nurtures us. Uh, you know, like I just think that we can't assign God a gender like we, we can't do that, you know, so. It, when people do it, people do it. And it's whatever, man. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's really interesting. There's like this this other piece, right? Mm-hmm. Um, where, you know, it's February, it's mm-hmm. Black History Month. Yeah. So we're we're learning at our school uh, uh, about black history. Now I'm at Leah Tata Floyd, it's an elementary school. Mm-hmm. And we're trying to show our kids that black history didn't start with american history yeah like your history didn't start in yeah. slavery yeah so like um you know we're, we're bringing in guest speakers throughout the month mm-hmm. you'll be one of those mm-hmm. we got it we still got to pick a day um <laughs> you know it, it'll cool. it'll be great to have, yeah. to have you come in yeah this past week this past friday we had dre t yeah come in yeah and, you know he's a, a poet mentor ed, an educator here in sacramento right. started foreign native mm-hmm. Uh, two years ago, he won a trip to Egypt, mm-hmm. and it was completely like backed and funded by the community. He did some fundraising, but yeah. community really came around him and him and that trip. Yeah, and on that that journey, he mm-hmm. was able to to learn all of this knowledge. He went on an educational tour mm-hmm. and did some like music stuff out there, mm-hmm. you know, because he's a dope MC and producer. Yeah, but then he brought back all of these photos mm-hmm. of, of temples mm-hmm. and. Um, pyramids mm-hmm. and all this um, amazing, amazing yeah. uh, things and the exhibits up at Soul Collective yeah. right now. And yeah. It will be through the end of February. Yeah. But he came in and he was talking about some of the markings, mm-hmm. right? Some of the hieroglyphics and the way that Egyptians told stories, mm-hmm. particularly the story of like Heru mm-hmm. and Isis mm-hmm. and Osiris. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with? Yeah, you know, I've I've heard these things. I've encountered these things. Yeah. And yeah. so then um, I, I don't know how, how familiar you are mm-hmm. when people make the comparisons yeah. uh, between that and then, you know, the the story of creation. Right. Curious to hear kind of your, your thoughts on that. Yeah. Um, I know that folks, you know, will, will talk about like Jesus being black or mm-hmm. Afro-Asiatic mm-hmm. Um, and that sort of thing. Yeah. Does that shift? then um our our dynamics or the way that people should view the world politically or socially today considering that christianity might actually have its origins in africa yeah um i'll even say that christianity does have its origins in africa perfect i'm glad we're on the same page um, <laughs> yeah um i just i didn't know where you stood um, on. i don't think we've yeah. ever had this conversation yeah, no no christianity definitely does um i would say that that jesus was afro-asiatic i i would say that and I, I think some people swear up and down and will and continue to today that, you know, Jesus looks like the paintings and that Jesus was white or, you know, whatever. And that's just not something I can I can attest to. I can get with. 
I mean, when we look at scriptures up and down, when we look at the spread of the gospel, you know, after 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 the gospel writings in Acts and all that stuff, you you see the church expanding, and you see that the church expands into Africa and into Asia, and you you don't see this European influence until you know colonialism and stuff like that, and that's when we get like Christianity being spread and being spread in the ways in which they were through slavery and you know things like that but i i think if we do shift our view then we then we do get to see okay jesus was a minority jesus was someone who was downtrodden he was not rich you know and so when we when we see these things and when we paint these pictures then like we get a different view of christianity we get a different view of like who god is for is is god for you know um the things that people in government are doing and saying that they're because of him or is god for the downtrodden is god for the homeless the widow the orphan the person who does not have money is god about tithes and offerings or is god about just giving to people who are less fortunate so we get to see that that shift in thing going back to like the the beginning of your question um with like the uh, egyptian things like that's something that i hope to i I plan on going to seminary at some point that's something that i want to dive into a little more myself because because i don't know much about it but i've definitely heard you know the parallels to like not just not just like egyptian you know things but like uh, of other things too of other origin stories and beliefs and faiths and i think if anything it calls to at least say that like, okay, maybe something is true about this. If you can make parallels to different stories about the same event, then something is true about said event. So that's that's all I have for that. But I'm not very knowledgeable about that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it really kind of like blew my mind the first time I started hearing yeah. about those particular connections. And mm-hmm. I had to like do my own research. Yeah. But I, I don't I don't consider myself an expert yeah. in that sort of thing. Yeah. But I I know what I've learned and mm-hmm. I I know what I've heard yeah. and I just think that it's it's interesting because when you see these like systems of white supremacy yeah. and the way that's been set up mm-hmm. currently, you know, it you wonder where that comes from. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. that's like self preservation yeah. or it's economics yeah. or or it's a number of different things. Yeah. We were and so I was there. We were we were watching the uh, slavery by a new name with mm. Milton Bowens. Mm. Um, Milton Bowens has an exhibit that's up at the Brick House right now. Mm. Um, check that out. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. And he he played a documentary during like the kickoff, mm-hmm. um, and the documentary is about slavery by a new name, and talked about how you know slave owners. Um, were were working to protect their economic interests mm-hmm. even after the emancipation emancipation proclamation right and some of the things that we saw in there like were super like just just touched me just yeah. right here man yeah. it, it, yeah. it hurts yeah it hurts yeah you know yeah. When, when you see that stuff and um uh, another uh, film that you know, came out recently, Birth of a Nation. Yeah. Right? Yeah. By uh, Nate Parker. Yeah. Where he produced it and all that. I know there's yeah. a whole bunch of controversy around yeah. him yeah. As, as a person. Yeah. But then diving deeper into that particular movie, mm-hmm. it's kind of like, um, kind of like the, uh, the, the opposite, right? Mm-hmm. The like anti story mm-hmm. behind the original Birth of a Nation. Right. And I don't know if you've had a chance to see that. Yeah. But it's like a three and a half hour like movie about like the the formation of the KKK and where yeah. some of those like fears come from. Yeah, and then you begin to see 
like the the religious imagery uh appear mm-hmm. in in these like hate groups and things like that yeah it just i i think it really bothers me mm-hmm. that folks can like twist mm-hmm. something that's like you know as you've stated like intended yeah. to be positive force right yeah. in, in yeah. a way that we make sense of yeah. what's going on and then like use that for their own personal gain there is this like you know duality that's in all religions right yeah. the like balance of good and evil yeah in hip-hop I like to describe it as like the balance between righteous and ratchet yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, i like that yeah and i curious uh, yeah. about your about your like balance do you is it all religion or all faith or all consciousness all mm-hmm. the time mm-hmm. or like do you get down in the club yeah. to like the, the two chains <laughs> young thugs or whatever like whatever's out there now do you like yeah. you know do you find yourself trying to balance both of those worlds yeah i mean absolutely um I mean, I'm a hip hop head, mm-hmm. um, and it's it's not just like Christian hip hop, right? And from Georgia, <laughs> yeah, yeah, so exactly. It's like, you know what I'm saying? Exactly. Like the, the birthplace of that exactly. scene, you know, Atlanta Outcast. You know, I, I'm I'm I I definitely think that like walking on this faith journey is a spectrum, um, and it's different for all people. I mean, I I live in a household with with two other Christians and like just the way the ways in which we live our lives are just different. Um, and that's because like we fall on a spectrum and it just what it is. There are, there are things that like, I'm sure that like people within the faith wouldn't agree with or wouldn't like, um, there's topics that are discussed all up and down throughout all the denominations, just about like what we can do and what we can't do, you know, like, can you get tattoos and blah, 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 blah. And, I stand in between all of that. And I, I try to find the truth in that. I don't have any tattoos, but I want some. I've, <laughs> and in fact, in fact, I was, I was in a tattoo parlor both today and yesterday and they were like $120. And I was like, okay, you got to go see my, my homie, Norm, Norm. Where's yeah. He? Norm. I stay uh, like seventh and I, that's a little, little, that's, like, a, dope, little that's like, a dope name. First of all, uh, underground <laughs> spot. Yeah. Norm. I stay on uh, Instagram. You'll be able to check out some okay. of his work. Norm. I stay. That's yeah, a dope name. He, he's the homie. So, okay. um, but yeah, I'm gonna have to check him out, but yeah, you know, so I mean, it's, it's definitely not all good or all bad. Um, I think it's, it's impossible besides Jesus. It is impossible like to live this perfect life, this sinless life. It, I don't even know if you can go a day in, in sinlessness, but like, I love like the fact that in the faith that I attribute myself to, um, that like there's forgiveness. And besides that, like there is freedom. Like it's not, it, it's not, uh, you can do this and you can't do this, you know, and you've got to walk this fine line. Like that's not what, that's not what this is. It's definitely like there is freedom and there's, there's falling down and there's getting back up. And there's me learning lessons. And you know what, maybe next time I shouldn't do that. Or, oh, you know what? I didn't know that three years ago. Now I know it. Now let me apply that to my life. But it's, it, it's definitely a gradient. It's a spectrum. And that's, I live on it, you know? Awesome. Yeah. Um, how about another piece? All right, cool. Let's see. So I have one more, and this is this is a an extreme metaphor, but it's about like my story and how I came to the belief in in what I believe in. So it's called White Flag. It was black. The night was lightless and lifeless. The white substance we were buried in our noses to couldn't even be seen. The entire platoon, 
face down in wormholes like filthy astronauts. Our arms, armed with arms, in armor covering our U.S. Army emblems, the echoes of our empty bellies filled the sky with numerous chords and concords from us concords. These choruses corrupted the conversations of the condors that patiently waited for our conclusions. Our deaths were imminent. Either we'd die in battle on the battlefield or here in the trenches from the battle conditions. We drank. To shield from the shivering numbness, we numbed ourselves with numerous spirits at the bottoms of bottles. Surely this isn't what I signed up for. Basic training was so basic compared to this. It's so cold that if injured, you can't even go to sick bay because the whole bay sick, it's sickening. Soldiers spit six stories of the enemy saying he's a conqueror of worlds. He harbors the inhabitants and changes their habits to have them look like him. They say he's as sharp as the weapon he uses, heavenly harnessing the power of hundreds of gods and attacking assassins with ease. They said he had eyes of fire and he's killed more Jews than Hitler and isn't any gentler on the Gentiles. I grew tired of their tales. Just as I began to drift off, Shots began to be consumed and they burned as they hit the chest. Barrels emptied into bodies and we didn't even have time to sober up before the battle begun. I didn't even have time to nap, but oh, they call him Leon, but I was a gorilla. And just as our force began to lose force, I was forced to go head to head with the head of the enemy's forces with no backup force. I flew into the battlefield like Air Force One. I had on combat boots. He had on sandals. It wasn't hard to hunt for them. It wasn't hard to find him at the heart of the war. He was flawless, killing camouflage combatants like he could see the hellfire that was burning inside of us. It's like he had heat vision goggles and he wanted to take away the paradox of hellfire and, and cold dead bodies and shut up hell by shutting up fire in our bones. It's like he could read our minds because he knew what we were going to do before we did it like he planned it. It was nothing for this outsider to come in and rock our whole planet. I saw him slay my whole brigade and convert my infantry into men. I saw him pierce hearts with his sword and come down to our level from his high horse, throwing bodies into water, taking spirits off souls and saving souls with his spirit. I saw him do all of this, and I still had to face his face, face to face, head to head. I thought we'd go neck and neck, but it was just one body against one body. So I gathered the courage to walk up to him, foot by foot, inch by inch step by step, to alter his life. And I shot him with every weapon I've been equipped with from his enemy. I shot him, but he took it all and threw it into the sea. As technologically prepared as my people thought we were, we still couldn't stand in his presence. So we fell on our faces. Every last one had died already, but me, I was the last of my kind. And I didn't take kindly to his conversion of my kin and having them blindly call out to me and tell me I was blind. I could see fine. I couldn't see that it had been paid. It didn't make any sense to me. I said I could see fine, but I couldn't see that it had been paid. It didn't make any sense to me. I said I could see fines, but I couldn't see that they had been paid. It didn't make any sense to me. And it might not make any sense to you since I didn't have anybody left to prove myself to but myself, but myself was enough. So weapon less and cool pun less. I took all I had left and leapt left to leave him guessing I was going left, but I was going right. But he knew this day 
that I was going right. So he swung right at me right there with his right hand and he stabbed me straight in my left breast. He left me breathless as he stabbed me right in my left chest. I guess he guessed right. And he pressed with his sword, sliced open my chest, pierced my heart and exposed it to the rising sun to the right of us. And as his sword began to rearrange the cells of my skin to make it look like that of the Grand Canyon, he granted me with the grandest desires and filled the deepest canyons of my life. He poured into me lessons and blessings as the blood poured out of me. I gasped like I was rising from a pool in the summertime. As the spirits were springing from me like the red leaves of fall, I fell down into the falling snow of the winter. Now with the sword permanently hidden away in my aorta, my body froze. Maybe from ice or maybe from fear maybe even from rigor mortis i don't know what i do know is that i no longer had control over my body i'd given him that power i'd surrendered and just as i no longer had control over my body it no longer had control over me and in a sense this death was freedom from my sins as the old spirits were leaving me a newer greater one was coming to fill its place as if the puncture placed in my pulmonary perpetrated my person for a positive purpose as if the whole in me was to make me whole and holy I was wholly indebted to this dictator, but he commanded, commended me on my command, commanded me to be comforted, convinced me of conviction and corrected my condemnation. He cried, you couldn't take my life. Only I can do that. And with your surrender, my work here is done. It is finished. And it was. He took his own life and we woke up in his blood. It's amazing. As if the only reason why he came as an emperor was to empower us to be like he. Greater works makes us more than conquerors. So we expand his territory. So now I wear him proudly his symbol on my dog tag. I'm glad I surrendered. Now my heart is pledged to a white flag. Yeah, man. What do you hope people take away from your spoken word? If it isn't salvation, if it isn't bringing people to Jesus, the least I hope that people can bring from my pieces is, is hope, is love, is positivity is being able to to spread joy i don't do poetry for entertainment it's entertaining it is but that's a byproduct um the reason i do poetry is is to encourage people is to love on people it's for people to hear positive messages i love hip-hop but hip-hop is not always positive and people use the gift the art of hip-hop of rap of spoken word of poetry they use it in, in negative ways and they influence people negatively and that my goal is to do the exact opposite of that use what was originally intended for encouragement and for uplifting our community to do that just that to encourage and uplift people thanks man yeah my brother in the struggle thank you so much yeah man you know super inspirational thanks. to see you know black man man of faith super critical and thoughtful um, you're obviously uber talented and it's just amazing to see you thrive and hopefully we get to keep you here in Sacramento so yeah, you man. can, you know, continue to influence <laughs> our young people um, in that way and to help yes. show them that balance quickly before we go. Where can people find you, man? Like you got a website, what's yeah. online? How do people connect with you? Yeah, man. Uh, Instagram and Twitter. Follow me at Maafa the Poet. Uh, that's M-A-A-F-A -A the Poet. And then also you can find uh, any of my stuff on MaafaThePoet.com. M-A-A-F-A -A the Poet.com. So yeah, man. I'm on YouTube and everything like that too. So appreciate you, man. Thank you so yeah, much. Man. Thank you so much, man. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. 
Yeah. Thank you, Sacramento. Thank you, Ensa. Right. Yeah. Thank you, Naked Coffee Naked Lounge. Coffee, man. Now we need some hot chocolate. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's it's yeah. great, man. I've they they got the whipped cream this. in it. Oh. 